welcome to the Serbian Corner new episode today. Uh, show where a couple of Serbians talk about the Nuggets. We're on the DMVR YouTube channel, uh, DMVR Nuggets podcast feed. My name is Voya, uh, coming from uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, via Belgrade, uh, or the other way around. I don't know. Uh, t- and today with me, as always, Miroslav, hailing from Pančevo. What's up, man? <laughs> Hello from Pančevo. I, I pulled a uh, uh, Bones Highland yesterday and twisted my ankle. Uh, it it was a pretty just, bad just one. when you started playing good, huh? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Just as I dropped to two hundred and forty pounds <laughs> and started blowing blowing away uh, next to everybody. Uh, to yeah. be in high school again for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So yeah, I'm I'm aching a bit, and I I really I, I have to say I I feel for for our guys more now than I usually do because I'm you know aching as well. So I, I just remember I, I had, didn't have this kind of uh, ankle sprain for like five or ten years now. So so yeah, it's it's not great. But uh, yeah. I, my, my 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 mouth is luckily still in function. So we'll operational. See. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. We well, said. I mean, what a freaking week! Like five five games in seven seven nights. It's insane. Uh, I just want to remind everyone in the chat. I see our, our regulars from the Nugget Serbia podcast too. Uh, keep it in English. For the for the just for you know to help us out with uh, with interactions and advertising and all that stuff, uh, all that cool stuff, and just to have fun with English speaking people. Uh, so basically, what we do on the show is weekly recap of of the Nuggets basketball, quick takeaways, main themes, uh, disagreements, everything else. And this week we'll we'll add like a preview for tomorrow's Philly game, so it's not only a recap show this week. Uh, we start off usually with our Rakia shots. Uh, Serbian national drink usually taken before dinner, so to make a toast. Uh, so this week is uh, this is a segment. There'll be a quick headline, something that made a really strong impression uh, for us, like quick, quick and strong, um, like like every Rakia uh, is. Um, we're we're gonna start off with um, let's start off with some general stuff around the Nuggets. Um, there's some interviews. We're gonna we have a couple of about two or three Rakia shots. Like, so it's always muddled with Rakia. You never know. Uh, it's it's late season. We need more. Yeah, shots. exactly. So, so you know, we'll start with we'll we'll talk about River stepping into the starting lineup and that possibility uh, for the end because then we'll get into more uh, Nuggets play from this week. But I want to start us off with um, first off, like Pop getting the most wins in NBA coach is really cool. Also for us because because uh, of his Serbian heritage and like you know he has an itch in his name. And he's at the top of the top of the coaches list. It's really cool because for me, at least, he was uh, one of the most like including players. But you know, because he's a prominent, it was a prominent head coach and a, and a champion. He was basically our ambassador for for basketball from that region. He didn't consider us soft or or uh, or just a shooter or floppers or anything. He actually heralded that you know the, those '90s the the would be '90s dream team for Yugoslavia and and some of the great basketball players from our. Uh, from our area, uh, from from the area and from the eras of uh, Yugoslavian basketball, so that was always cool. What do you think? Like, is that is that cool for you as it is for me? My my heart belongs to Pop for, throughout my <laughs> basketball fandom. I always felt that connection to him because he was always good friend with with the uh, basketball coaches from former Yugoslavia, especially yep. late Dusan Ivković, who was the national team coach for many years for Yugoslavia. And uh, there is this cool story about Pop being a, a mentor to Jarko Paspal, one great Yugoslav player that never got the right chance in the NBA. Jarko was 
was staying at at, at Pop's uh, house for a full year that year when he was in San Antonio. Back then, Pop was just a, a assistant coach. I think it was his last or second to last season before he became head coach, uh, what he is today. So I'm really, really glad that uh, such a cool character and Pop is a really great character on and off the court and uh, uh, having a lot of laughs with, with journalists as well. And uh, it's it's a, a strange kind of story with him and journalists because they are at the same time, they love him and they're scared <laughs> shit of him because yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are situations when when you just you just need to know what to ask him and what not to ask him so yep. yeah I, it, it's it's just it's just a great personality and i i would even argue that he's probably one of the most famous coaches out of all team sports really so it's a really really yeah, good thing yeah i mean probably one of one of the uh especially you know with coach pop and yeah because of his full personality he's not just a basketball player uh, which kind of shows? I mean, that that picture with Tim hugging Dejounte Murray. I'm going to repeat myself for the for the people that watched this earlier today in Serbian. But in that picture with Dejounte Murray when he's when he's when he's hugging Pop, like you can see the love, basically you know, because he gave a chance to Dejounte when no one else would. Uh, to that to that extent, like being basically a franchise point guard right now, um, and you can be you can have tactics, you can have X's and O's all day long, but. It's that also like the human side of it that makes a great coach. And that's why I always talk about also transfers to Malone and his comments about Pop and basically that when that's why Malone is such a good coach uh, from that perspective as well, because uh, because of, you know, he had Pop basically as a mentor, like he is his role model uh, for his career. So, you know, obviously his dad, too, but like Pop got him his first job and like he was really not, you know, nice to him. When didn't when he didn't have to so like that's really cool and that's why his legacy is like is so huge um in just you know pro sports pro, pro basketball sports and just um in general sports so that's pretty cool that's the first you know basically my like half a shot i guess and the other half is kind of gets into that like coaching and just like understanding of basketball that also pop was proponing in san antonio is that we had dan, dan milovich was uh the assistant coach for uh, Golden State Warriors that's working with Wiseman. Uh, he was one of the great uh, undersized centers in Europe and Serbia. And he taught, obviously, like his Jokic's his, you know, best work, uh, basically. So Harrison Wynn did on dmvr.com. He did the interview with him. Just a quick Q&A when they were in town about just how, you know, how Jokic was, how, how it was to train him, stuff that they were working on. And then paired that with the Sports Illustrated interview about just Jokic giving out his personal opinions about basketball and some stuff I like there. Uh, it just brings me to uh, just to, to like give given like an idea of, of how what Yugoslavian school of basketball is to like American viewers is to understand that Jokic is basically the culmination. He's like the pinnacle of that philosophy of basketball. The thing is like he's not some like you know, unique aberration of, of, you know, from that area of like, oh, this is how he is. And there's like there's no, you know, there's not going to be anyone else or before or after. The thing is, like, Luca is very similar skill set, and he's from that school of basketball. The thing is, like, his skills um, were harnessed, you know, by by that philosophy. And Dan Milovic said that as, you know, as much as he said that as much. Of, like, skill is one thing, but understanding the game is something that you want to develop. And that's one of those, like, we talk about Jokic ball. That's kind of what it is. Like, you know, it just kind of gave a different name. Uh, and Adam and the guys gave it like a different name here with Jokic ball. It's basically understanding the game, not just 
how to do things on a court, but like, why are you doing this on the court? And it's kind of funny sometimes, you know, they ask Jokic, you're like, oh, how you did this and what did you think in that moment? Like, why did you do this? Or like, or how did you do that stuff? And they're like, he just says, oh, I just did it. Like, because, um, because of that. And, and it sounds funny. And then you think he's just this savant genius that just comes up with this on the fly. The, the real thing is like he has talent and skill. The point is like he was taught from early on why he's doing these things and how to read the game. And I I kind of talked to Brendan the other day about this. It's just you, I, I likened it to like literacy. Like when you read and write at a young age and you learn it well, you don't think about later in life and you practice at it when you're younger and you don't think about when you're 25, when you're signing your name or you're signing, you know, V or like M or like N, like this, like this is just how you do it. And this is your, it becomes an innate part of you. Like it just becomes your nature. And then because Jokic has also like high IQ as, you know, naturally and like skill in his hands and just hand-eye coordination, those like, those, that foundation that, that the coaches in Serbia got to him and then Dan was teaching him uh, was basically propped him up to like be this genius, to use, to like take advantage of his IQ in this, uh, in this sphere of NBA and then basically overcome his lack of athleticism because of it. So I think like that's what kind of people have to understand that he's not just a, you know, just always one in a million. Uh, he is because of, because of how he was treated. Like if he was taught, maybe if he was in the AU system here and it was just taught on results and like the coaches would just be considered with wins and not to teach the players why should they do things on the court and, and then how to do them. He might have been just a regular, like, oh, whatever center for, like, a D2 school or lower-end mid-major D1 school and then not end up in the NBA. The thing is, because you harness that with that philosophy of basketball, you harness his skills, he is what he is right now. The thing for me is that, like, the coaches have lost this thing of teaching the players. Like, they've, they have a lack of understanding of how to teach because they're so preoccupied with the results. And it sucks because, like, we have, you know, again, like, our – it's deteriorating even in Europe and in Balkans, like that, that side of how to, you know, educate in basketball. Um, but you have more of your role players that understand these things as well. Like all of my friends, like we grew up with the coach and, and, and um, Og- Ogin Stakovic, there's an assistant on the team right now. We had the same coach and that Ogin has the same philosophy that he got from my coach. And then he, you know, transferred it uh, to the Nuggets. It's that, again, why are you doing these things? Like you have to understand why and it doesn't matter like what kind of skill set you have a limit based on your skills and, and like physical talents where you're going to get to, but you can understand the game of basketball. So all of my friends, because of that coach, we understand the game. We don't play it anymore, but we didn't have any plays in high school. We just read the game how it was. It, we No matter how someone could shoot better, someone could shoot worse or has someone could dunk, someone couldn't, but everyone understood why we were doing these things on the court. Um, and just that's, that, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, being long here, but this is why you have to understand why Jokic is what he is and how he does these things. It's because of that's where it starts. It starts with because he was young and he was taught these things. And it was, it's again, like a second language. You start early, you fi- fi- figure it out or literacy. You start early, figure it out, make it a part of your DNA or your bones, your mind. And then you harness those skills later. You, you improve, you sharpen, but 
that's kind of what that's why I think like it was important to hear from Dan and and he had that one point really good one and then also Pop is one of those coaches as well that's why it's not an accident his role players are so low low mistake prone so that's I mean what what do you think like I've been, yeah. I've been talking a lot but this is my this is one things I'm really passionate about so I really had to do this monologue today you, you really uh, uh, described the foundation uh, nicely that that's the foundation of every player coming from Yugoslav basketball uh, uh, school and then you get some a couple of things extra for Jokic that made him such a great player and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, Harrison did a really good job uh, getting do- these things out of Dan Milovic first thing I liked is the fact that <clears throat> Milovic mentioned how how much of a great competitor uh, Jokic was yeah. from day one and the biggest problem he had with Nikola is the fact that he didn't like those repetitive training routine, routines with no uh, actual target at, at that point because you need to, to repeat some things to, to master them. And he was uh, making kind of games in, inside those uh, repetitive uh, skills. Um, uh, how do you call them? Uh, exercises and uh, yeah, drills, exercises, yeah, drills. Yes, and I have to say, this is this is the moment where it's really important for Nicola to come to Denver and not not to some other franchise, because in the seven seasons Nicola was playing for Denver, they were never trying to tank at any point mm-hmm. uh, of the season, and that's really important because you know you have those players who are winning basketball players like Nikola. And if they come to the bad situation, like Bogdan Bogdanovic did in Sacramento, and Bielica. Uh, like Bielica did in Minnesota under Tibbs. So you have those bad teams where you, you don't have the opportunity to show how much of a winner, winning player you are. And Nikola was in the, in the right position here. They were trying to win every game for all seven seasons, and now they are bearing fruits of that. The second thing I really liked from that interview is the fact that Dan mentioned that uh, the thing Nikola can still imp- improve on is not any kind of physical skills because he already have them all. It's the fact that he thinks that Nikola can even improve in, uh, in decisions and uh, and reading the game live, you know, on the court. So Nick so Dan actually thinks that Nikola could could become even a bigger basketball savant, even even uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, even a crazier kind of uh, uh, superpower on the on the uh, philosophical super superpower on the court, and th- I really like that that piece of it. Yeah, as well. I agree, and I agree. There, like there, he, I mean, everyone can improve always. Like no one's perfect, and that's that's that. that I mean, that's the truth. But yeah, like again, this is this is all like a perfect encapsulation of. Of again, like why? Also, why we get mad at some of these players on the Denver on on just in the NBA, but obviously because we watch Nuggets, we get mad at the Nuggets players because of you can see, and it's not their fault. You can see the influence of the uh, again. I'm, I'm gonna use Brandon's quote for you: mixtape culture. Like it, it was more interesting to have a flashy mixtape than and a, than a foundationally sound one. And and it was funny watching. Like I remember, like I wanted to watch the Kings when when Bogdan was on that team. And I just couldn't couldn't after like a few games I just stopped because it was so glaring. Like he would do these things that are small details, like you said, winning basketball plays. But they would just it would just be a pebble in the ocean. Like nothing would not nothing would come of it except he would stick out as basically not fitting and being bad because he's playing with the guys that are not used to those type of 
that type of you know basketball like pure basketball and and that's why you know that's why i think it didn't like fit in in the kings that well because especially he was coming in from one of the best coaches ever in, in Fenerbahce from you know jacob radovic and he learned and he, that's the things like he didn't know these things as well before like you always have to you know who's coaching and that's why dan is one of the best that's why golden state was savvy enough to bring him because like not just for Wiseman, for everyone like that's for kevon looney especially like he's the one playing a lot and, and you know not an accident that he was decent enough guarding Jokic like he had you know he had Dan to in this corner besides like I've seen comments besides like you know refs not swallowing the whistle but we'll we'll get to that but just you know this is you know again like I'm I wanted to like have a little bit more of a more more of a emphasis on this uh, on this interview because again like I loved what Harris you know what when Harrison asked him and how he asked him and what Dan said because that's the important part that if you take nothing away from this it's that you know understanding of why you do something on the court not how how it come how it comes later like we would have practices when the coach would stop the stop the uh, someone would do like you know for example iverson was really big right he had the step you know had that crossover when he had the ball all the way up and then he would do and you know kids try to mimic it and and then the coach goes why why are you doing this why do you think he does it and he would make you think like why does iverson do that and then understand that oh wow, like he's actually shifting balance from one leg to the other, and making the defense fall out of place because the ball is so far out. But he never loses control. He never loses his balance, his angles, and stuff like that. And then you learn, and then that crossover comes after you learn why you're doing it. And like again, like one of my pet peeves is seeing the guy step outside of the on the out of, out of bounds line in the corner because they move the move the leg backwards to get momentum going forward. And that's one of those things, like, again, like, the coach would stop and be like, no, 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 don't do that because you're actually, you think you're gaining advantage, but you actually are, you should be standing straight, moving your moving your body forward without going backwards first. You're losing, you're losing a step, you're losing your balance. You're not a triple threat anymore to pass, shoot, and dribble. And, and so that, that those kind of little things is that, you know, it's basketball is easier when you, when you get a good foundation, but then when you're not, like, it can be really complicated and then you hear all these details you're like oh my god it's too much but that's why Jokic makes it look so easy because of the foundation and then you add on top of his talent then he's become the MVP and the best player in the world yeah and just one one more detail that wasn't mentioned in this interview because Dan Milovic is too modest just like Nikola and that's the fact that Dan Milovic was a master in the post back oh, yeah. in his playing days he was a undersized uh, five he was six 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 seven and he absolutely, absolutely dominated the, the Euroleague competition for years and years. And he knows all the tricks in the bag there is. So you can, yep. you can thank him for great Nicola's great footwork. That of course it, it was it was uh, improved in Denver as well. But the foundation that he got from from Dan for those three three seasons is something that's immeasurable. So thank you, Dan, for, for yeah, what exactly. Nicola is today. Yep, uh, and we'll, we'll now we'll pivot into more of Nuggets, uh, Nuggets basketball and stuff. We talk, I said like we're gonna have uh, last Rocky shadow is gonna be the river. This was like a bottle, pretty much of Rocky that we had just now. <laughs> uh, it's Sunday. It's Sunday it's been, lunch. Like, it's so. been that kind of a week, you boy. Yeah, pretty much. Like we needed that. Uh, so Rivers is Rivers is a starter. Uh, you know, picking up that defensive slack um, as you know because Barton got hurt, he stepped in the starting lineup. What do you think about Rivers? Uh, in that role and have you have you first i mean 
are you surprised that he's basically taking on Gary Harris role <laughs> right now? I, I'm I'm really not because I was looking at his numbers for months now, to be honest, and he was always great with with the starters, and uh, the eye test for the last couple of weeks just popped out, and especially in those three games, he was starting instead of Barton. It was against Sacramento, the first game against Warriors, and yeah. uh, no, both both games against Warriors actually. So yeah, uh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. if you sort all five-man lineups with more than 20 minutes together, Nuggets uh, have put out this season. But net also rating, finish, sorry, also finished against the Pelicans, right? He hurt himself yeah, against the right. Pelicans that's then, right. you know, the whole week. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So it was a full week practically. So Austin Rivers is a part of four out of five best five-man lineups the Denver Nuggets have. And of course, most of them are together with the uh, with the starters in one of the lineups, he's there instead of Barton. In the other one, he's there instead of Jeff. And in one of them, J Mike is there for Jeff and he's there for Barton or whatever. There is also this great uh, bench lineup. He was there with uh, Faku and Bryn and J Mike and Boogie as well. So he, he was pretty good with, with the bench as well. But really, that was my tweet a couple of days ago. You, you can see right now, if you remember what, what the the end of Gary Harris' career in Denver was, <laughs> so add to that more confidence on his shots and his uh, his uh, dribbles towards the basket, and uh, add a much better handle that for some reason Gary just lost after several yeah. seasons of great playing. This is what what Rivers right right now, right now is. I would of course love if if he was like two inches longer than he is, but that it is oh. what it is. He is the best. So is an insured. Yeah, always, always with the Nuggets. And I, I remember uh, Matt Moore was was saying for years how the Nuggets cannot go all the way because their backcourt of Jamal and Gary is too small. And he was right. He, it really is. It's a, it's a problem. You need some bigger guards there. And also Adam Ares always uh, always say that he thinks that the final form of Denver Nuggets will probably feature. A defensive guy at the shooting guard, of course, preferably a three and D guy at the shooting guard. Not only not, not D without the three or or vice versa. So, so yeah, what do I you think. Why you agree? Do you agree? Yeah, I do agree. I do agree, especially when when Porter and Jamal eventually come back to the to the lineup. You will have three great offensive player players. One of them, you know, the total incredible offensive hub. You really need two really great guards, great defenders next to them. You already have Gordon, and if you put a guy who is a lockdown defender, the point attack, point of attack defender that you can put on the on the best or second best perimeter uh, player of, of the opposition, then then you have a good good chance of rolling. Yeah, I I I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I agree. I like the Rivers again. I've seen I'm seeing comments. Uh, just basically not trusting him in offense and stuff. I, I agree there too. Is like you don't want to give him too much to do. And I think no, no, what, fifth option definitely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah, like not giving him too much responsibility, too much to do. Um, I'm 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 pretty yeah. Like and Adam says in the comments, Murray MPJ and AG uh, Jokic is is good length. So. Um, that's 100% offense you need and 70% of the defense. So, like, you're basically filling in that role. Again, like, I think, which is kind of a weird development. I mean, that's my that was my comment weeks, you know, a few weeks in a row, just Austin being, you know, transforming to, like, a defensive specialist. 
is something like I had no idea that 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 he wanted to do or like had it in him. Like he obviously two way guy, blah blah. But like he was always more, you know, I'm gonna gun, you know, gunner type. And just understanding that he and also liking that he that he do, does that now, and you know how he locked up Steph Curry pretty much for the most of the game uh, until you know Steph had an outburst in the in the third. But you know, take away those 18 points that he wasn't guarding him most of the time. Like that's a that's you know good job on good job on that and yeah i mean that there's not i mean there's not much to add like that type of player i don't know who that's gonna be but you know if it's river's gonna be for the future or just this postseason i think monte is much better with him uh with him to, you know when when rivers takes takes on a more challenging guard monte can you know hold his own a little bit at least he knows how to read the help side and 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 you know he's good good smart enough player to understand reading the position of defender so i i agree there we'll see if they you know if reeves read evolves into that eventually or we sign rivers or we develop someone else on the next draft or something but very very interesting to think about especially with barton being in and out and it's kind of weird like you know he comes back you lose couple like he's it's you know i, I don't want to get into the Barton can of worms right now like this is not we're not going to talk about this on this show for now for, for we'll save that for later uh maybe playoff previews or something but definitely something to think about like i think i think i was you know i can get him i would want him in the starting lineup uh just to see as long as the nuggets are alive and well to compete in the playoffs there is no need to talk about players being cut out of the rotation yeah you know, yeah saying he's hyper, hyper intrigued by josh hart i mean <laughs> Yes, man. <laughs> Sign me up if, if Josh Hart, uh, if if we can get Josh Hart. I don't know. If, I don't know when the when the cap will spike. That's one other thing. Like if if we can get that weird, not obviously not Durant like on the Warriors type of thing, but if Josh Hart can be taken for some money, some Barton money, for example, like that's and that's very interesting. Uh, <laughs> Stop speaking out loud, my my thoughts. Well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Will Barton is is expiring contract next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Let's go to let's go to your take foul. Uh, we have we have half an hour left. Like, um, basically, this is the worst thing in basketball, and we hate it. So, uh, we're going to talk about something that really bugged us this week, and this is for me at least. This was Looney guarding Jokic, in the narrative that he really did a great job on him. Um, on his defense in that second game, because we saw the first game, you know, a little bit different story. Uh, what, what do you think? Like, you know, is it really good defense? Is it refs? Is it combination of fatigue? Like, what do you think? I don't want to spend too much time on this, but what happened at the end of that second Warriors game was the result of not only fatigue, but also of some things the referees allowed to Looney and other big guys against Joker in the final stretch. I agree that his turnovers looked like he was out of gas, but also there was significant contact during each of those passes that went away as non-calls. Also, you've made a screenshot of a giant bloody scratch on Nicolas' neck, yeah. and that's a new insane level of allowed hacking of the league's MVP. So, yeah, I really hated that, and I was really hoping we're going to get past things like that, but you know what? When playoffs come and the referees start swallowing their, their whistles a bit more. Yeah, we know who's going to be ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. He's going to get used to it. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, I mean, that game was for me, that was atrocious. Like I, I just, 
I mean, one, uh, that's why I was so upset about it. I don't care that we lost. I mean, I've, I've cared to a point, but not to a point that's going to ruin my night. That would ruin my night because of just, you know, the two hands on the back gashing, like four minutes left. There's, you know, basically, basically not following Jokic for the entire time. And yes, he was fatigued, so he couldn't get, you know, get him, get past even that physicality. But it was just, I mean, and then, you know, saying like, oh, he did a great job, like only four, four fouls in Jokic is absurd. Like every play you see a replay of the good defense and it's two hands in the back first on the contact that enough, like will take, a, take over your energy. And then, and then afterwards, you know, bumping and, and like gashing and everything. So, uh, which brings us, I mean, this is, you know, just to get our frustrations out um, just on that thing of basically what Randall was saying this year, like, oh, this smaller guy, you know, the refs are like, oh, you're stronger. You're not going to get a foul. So that's kind of bold to me. But uh, the, the the other year I take foul is one of those like more basketball related. And you call this one, you know, the problem, you know, problems against long guys. We've kind of seen it now trending like the, the few losses that we had recently were against teams that, that had athletic wings. You know, had the Celtics pretty much had a decent lineup. Then you had the OKC. Then you had the, uh, not excluding Golden State as, as you know, back to back. But then you had Toronto as like three of the most recent losses. You kind of have the that situation. Yeah, also Pelicans yeah. and Clippers. It's it's the, yeah, yeah. The story I mean, I mean, all this like, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah pretty yeah. much. Like, what do you think? Is that something to worry about more, or is it adjustable when you have more minutes? When you add more minutes with Jokic, uh, what's the what's your verdict there? <laughs> yeah, that, that's just going back to what Matt Moore was saying about the small uh, guard lineup that that Nuggets have for years now. And you know, when you when you get to the guy. Uh, when when the point guard on the other side is six six or higher, or in crazy case against the Toronto, where yeah. where Scotty Barnes was playing basically a point guard at six nine, with with uh, the other guys that are even taller than him, that was that was just a problem. They had twenty four shots more than than the Nuggets on that game, so they didn't really have to to do anything spectacular to win that game. They just you don't needed to to convert. Uh, shots at like 10% less accuracy than, than the Nuggets and that's enough when you have four more shots than the other team. I was actually quite surprised how how few of the shots the Nuggets had in that, in that game in total and that was the result of course of a big number of t- turnovers as well. So yeah, yeah it's I, I don't want to lose too much time on this but it is what it is when everybody oh, is, is healthy yeah. it's a yeah. different situation but right now yeah, you need you need to have Jokic playing more minutes in four quarter. We we spoke about it like like six weeks ago. We had a show specifically on that how how those uh, limited minutes of of Jokic in fourth quarter is not a great spe- great thing, especially in in close games, because yeah. you need your anchor on defense, especially because he is the one that will not let that many offensive boards mm-hmm. uh, uh, going away. So uh, yeah, I I think that's that's one thing they could use. They could uh, play him less for less minutes in third quarter, and then as Adam yeah. already said, the fourth quarter is also slower, so you have more breaks, more more chances to catch your breath. So uh, yeah, I think yeah, that's, that's that would help a lot. Yeah, that, that that's the thing is like it's we're basically gearing up for the playoffs, and it's kind of weird because again you had the but then you get the other at the other side of the coin where. You had third quarter that Steph had, and so it's like, oh well, <laughs> you should have kept, you know, like then, oh maybe you should have kept Jokic all the third so p- to pair Steph. But then, you know, it's it's kind of weird, like because of the just how 
other coaches adjust. And um, the the problem against Long guys, like, I think it's a concern. But I also think, especially against Toronto, Toronto Clippers, like OKC, like it's not, these are all like, great, really good coaches. And they, it's not only because I saw a comment that how do we, how does Denver not have Bucks and Heat problems with the same, you know, big bodies and stuff? I just don't think they play the same type of defense on Jokic. Like they have Badibai and Giannis and, you know, and Portis or, you know, Lopez when he was healthy. So they kind of trust, I think, more individual guys to do it. With Toronto, it's kind of, they don't have really a choice. Like they have to do what they did. And it was interesting how what zone, you know, when the zone that they play with like, Three guys basically collapsing, but none actually guarding Jokic. So it's like they're already they're there, but not but you know quick enough to like catch up with the with the guards. I think and Gordon enough, is one. Yeah. yeah, long enough. Like I think Gordon is one solution. Like with first you know game against Toronto over there, he was there, so that's more of a help on on defensive rebounding. And I think also in that um, in those like uh, kind of transition seals inside, uh, that was. Um, uh, you know that was the plays. You know the the quick post ups that Jeff Green can do sometimes. What Gordon really does, and I think he had. You know, I think he was against Toronto. I think he had a bunch of those, and they just they couldn't let him do that stuff. And then on the other hand, because Jokic is so big, he was trying yesterday in the fourth to get the shot off like that to like get the quick position before the defense settles. And then what they do is just Scotty Barnes just stands in front of him and, and takes a charge. And the refs are going to call it because again he's bigger, and so that if you had Gordon, that's more of a similar size. That they're not, you know, they might call one, but they're not going to call all of the all of the flops. And then also on the on the offensive end, like you have him at basically the dunker spot. Jeff Green is not; it's regular season. We talked about him. Um, you know, he, you know, it's not it's it's not the same situation. Like Gordon has brings you much more energy, even though he's been playing badly in the last month. I still think he helps. Uh, because you have that threat out there, so um, that's I think something to look over. I think when they're healthy and have more Jokic minutes, more stabilized like that, I think it'll be better. Because again, he played little, little minutes yesterday, um, yes. like that. So that's that's kind of what what my like just basically conclusion on the big guys is. Do you have anything else to add, or are we gonna move on? No, let's let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, I've seen some comments like read at two is yeah, basically like that's also like we see the matchups like. I mean, the, the, just the positioning, like he's a two-way guy. He knows how to play a two-guard, and you just throw him in as a three or a four. Like, kind of, you know, it's a, suddenly he's a crappy guy. That's again one of the problems with the bench we talked about over the year, over the over the season. Just people fitting in places. So, um, yeah. And then Adam said, like for box, like they openly criticized their coach for the defense against Jokic. Yeah, again, like it's it's with what they choose to how to play, and and you know we had the three coaches that are. They have the bodies and are willing to strategize differently and, and think of different ways to guard yoke. So, okay, let's go to Boric. I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, uh, this is a nice juicy pastry dish that comes either with uh, cheese, spinach, or meat. Uh, well known because Nicole used to eat it a lot. Um, and this is going to be our, our meaty segment, something big. Even though we talked a, talked a lot about the rest of the rest of the show, but, um, but this is also just like what juicy. And you you prepared some stuff about peak yoke kitchen. And we talk about the Philly. Uh, fill a game to wrap up the show and this is you know the the again this is everything's interesting like rocky is is, is rocky is quick and strong and, and good like your take files is we get serbians get angry so we, we talk <laughs> a lot when we get angry and then Boric is just we eat so uh, everything's pretty much going to be juicy like in this show so just let's just sit down <laughs> and have a, 
a really juicy, really beautiful piece of peak Jokic burek peak pie. Jokic burek. <laughs> so he had a great week overall. If you combine all five games, even though they they went three and two, he was still pretty elite uh, on average on these five games. But the peak Jokic was actually those two games, back to back games against the Pelicans, against the Warriors, where he tallied. 78 points, 27 rebounds, 24 assists, oh five blocks <laughs> on 77% true shooting in 24 hours versus those teams. Yeah. What the fudge? If you remove yeah. the blocks and you need to remove them to be inclusive of the other legendary NBA players, the only guys in the history of the NBA who hit all of those points, rebounds, and assists numbers in the span of two games were James Harden in 2016 and, of course, Wilt Chamberlain in 1968. What Nikola was able to do within one Earth's rotation around itself should not be taken for granted. We are watching something special right now. I want to make a little retrospect of things that happened before this pinnacle of his and what happened in these last two seasons. So, if we combine these two last MVP-level seasons over those 132 regular season games... He averaged 26.2, 12.2 rebounds, 8.2 assists. And the lists of players to record 26, 12, and 8 in two-season span, Nikola Jokic and nobody else in history. Of course, I'm cheating a bit <laughs> because if you move it to seven, then you will get uh, some wilt seasons. And if you uh, reduce the rebounds a bit, you will get some other guys. But, well, 26, 12, and 8, only Nikola Jokic. Over those 132 regular season games... His box plus minus is 12.7, the best ever for a two-season span. Second best ever, LeBron James in 2009 and 2010. Okay, so explain to me the box plus minus. Just box score plus minus? No, a box plus minus is a, is a pretty complex per-minute stat. So it's, okay. it's not something that adds up over time. It just gives you the average value huh, okay. of your playing on the court of the things you can find in the in the box score on offense and on defense and combine that and and you get the per minute number of that so when you get a two season span or something like that we're talking real greatness because yeah, yeah, of course, of course. the reason i like box plus minus more than other advanced stats is the fact that when you look at the the list of top guys on that list there are not no outliers for instance uh... if you look at the per you will get boban marjanovic you know, because it's also a per-minute stat, but it doesn't show up for... It, it's a bit different stat. You will get some guys that are not uh, uh, that are not top-level players there, but, but in box plus minus, it's just Jokic, LeBron, Jordan, uh, Magic Johnson, you know, Larry Bird, just, just the greats like that. So, as I said, Nicolas box plus minus for two seasons, 12.7, second best, LeBron, 2009-2010. 12.5, and some guy named Michael Jordan, third with 12.4 in 88 and 89. By the way, back then he was scoring like 37 points on 55% from the field and averaging like eight rebounds and eight assists. So those were some pretty insane seasons from Jordan. Still number three. Sorry, Michael, you have your Charlotte <laughs> Hornets to, to play with. To, to not to be sad about this this fact. Okay, let's let's dig a bit deeper. So over those 132 regular season games, he's had 20 triple doubles with the field goal percentage over 60%. So very efficient oh triple God. doubles. 
So 20 for Nikola, the rest of the league, 44. So let that sink in. So 44 for everybody and 20 for Nikola. This is how insane he is. Okay, over those same 132 regular season games, Nikola has had 91 games with at least plus one in plus minus stat. So he was a net positive in 91 games and he's the second in the whole league for that. Why is this important? Because the first guy on this list is Mikkel Bridges from Phoenix Suns and his Phoenix Suns had 103 wins in this span and the Nuggets only had 84 wins in this span. So you you can see what kind of a positive guy Nikola was throughout these two seasons. And what about yep. his two seasons long efficiency? Over those 132 games, Nikola's field goal percentage is almost 57%, 56.9. And that ranks 12th in the league among, among players that have played in at least 2,600 minutes, basically 20 minutes per game. He has hit 181 three-pointers in that span. And out of all of those guys with a higher percentage from field goals than him, the most three-pointers made is DeAndre Ayton with nine. So Nikola, 181, and Ayton with nine. Practically, you, you, can, you can round that to zero, to be honest. In 130 games, nine assists, nine threes is just a, just a statistical error. And finally, let's get really basic here. Nikola has had the second most points, the second most rebounds, and the fourth most assists in the whole league in the last two seasons. Jeez, was it Giannis first? Whose points? Whose points? <laughs> to be honest, I, 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 I don't even remember. <laughs> it's just, it's probably Giannis, but I, yeah. I'm, I'm not completely sure. Which again is like he has a two, you know, finals MVP, two MVPs, and championships. So yeah, no, he bad, also played a lot company. of games. He, he yeah, played more games than most, yeah, most guys. Yeah. So this is this is why that's that's insane. That's that, I mean that's well. nuts. Like he's, I mean what what else? I mean again like we talked, we talked about some you know why in the pre, you know beginning of the show like some of the background and the foundation and then this is just harnessing that power and like that understanding of basketball to like a level that we haven't seen. It's again we're like we obviously he's our guy so like we're biased and everything. But at some point like you, you're you're going past bias. This is just realistically insane. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not like oh, we're we're championing a random like I'm, you know me with Monte. Like I love Monte and subjectively and everything. So like you obviously think he's I think he's better than a lot of guys that might objectively might not be better than. Uh, but this joke is just like I mean you can be subjective as much as you want. Again, objectivity is it might even increase. Like we might as subjective as we are, we might even want to downplay him a little bit so we don't seem too subjective. And then someone comes from the outside and, and goes like, "Oh yeah, he's a top ten all time." Like it's not even, you know, he will be top ten all time. And you're like, "Wow, that's we we don't even try to say it because the first sentence that we say like that is like, "Oh, you're this, you're Serbian, like you're you're not objective." And no, so, no, we are not saying it when we are sober. We we are not saying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you're like, th- because there's not an argument. Like, Again, this is kind of hard to then. It's hard to argue even with people outside of. You know, when you for you know easiest is the Twitter arguments that you can go into is you can't whatever argument you put out like your everyone else can just be like oh you're just biased because you're from your country like same thing with Djokovic stuff that's why I don't argue about them at all it just it's 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 a no win situation 
you let someone, you know, let someone from America argue that he's, you know, Adam is going to champion him better than we are because he can tell to Kevin O'Connor and like Zach Lowe and people like, hey, this is really good. If we said it, it would be like, oh, you're just, he's just your guy. Like, again, it's kind of similar. Like when Bill Simmons talks about Boston, like <laughs> everyone's kind of like, you know, rolls his eyes and becomes skeptical of the takes because his, that's his team. So, uh, but you want to go? Yeah. I, I, lo- I love I love how much Bill Simmons is pumping up Jokic. Yeah, right it's now. awesome. So so thank you, <laughs> I mean, Bill. I know yeah. you're watching. Thank you. Well, he's like a number one you know sports podcast. Like it's really cool then to like have Jokic always plastered on there. Uh, and then Adam was like this week was just he was it was his like victory lap about Jokic and you know Kevin O'Connor and Zach Lowe. And he he was great now, on, like, on, was on the low post and this, and uh, and uh, yeah, Seth Partners show. I don't remember the name. But but what uh, Kevin KOC and, and Adam yeah. did in, on the white that was just beautiful. It's yep. a great show. Don't don't miss it. Don't miss it, yep. please. Uh, and so as far as since we're on Borek, JD was was asking us to translate for for American viewers uh, what means sending someone for a Borek in Serbian, oh, yeah. like that kind of expression. And we kind of forgot. I mean, honestly, again, we're like lacking here. We forgot it, about that expression completely. It's a basketball so expression. It's a basketball term. Like yeah, we use it. So um, it's it's faking someone out to point they like it that crossover when you know when a guy like moves past you or or for Jokic especially and it's that's kind of mostly what what it is like in the post you pump fake and someone flies by like bites on the pump fake and just disappears out of your like defensive the other defensive area and then you know the player lays it up and so because like the defensive player completely missed and whiffed you kind of tell him hey like go pick me up a board I can come back um and so yeah. that's that's kind of a funny you know funny angle and then Jokic does a lot of those like you know the the other was it they're mentioning the kings uh that like behind the back on the Aaron Fox that a few years ago or like last season that was sending someone for Boric when they want to steal the ball and you you know move it away they whiff and and you know go three steps past <laughs> you and you're like oh see ya go to the bakery get me a Boric uh with some yogurt and you know uh and that, that's what, yeah, because the, the comment was he'll send Embiid for Borek tomorrow because uh, Embiid will be hyped up to play. And so, like, he'll whiff on a lot of those. Was um, it Robert, Robert Covington falling down after after Nikola sent him for Borek before he sent that that uh, assist to the corner on the, on the like, game six versus Portland last yeah, year? Yeah, he fell down. That was one example. It was an example yeah. last year when uh, Mitchell Robinson, obviously, when he wants to block and he, like, just whiffs. Uh, Gobert as, as well when he like when does the little like you know Hakeem shakes and and, and Kevin McHale moves down low Rob Rob, Rob Williams time lord uh, you know biting on a pump fake and just flying by and Jokic that's that's one example you know one example is like saying someone brick and the other one when it's like that when Jokic does like someone bites on a on a uh, block and just flies by it's like how how's the weather up there is another question that you go like <laughs> that's right. kind of for taunting so. Those are kind of the two things that good, 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 re- good recommend from the comment section too. Um, just have yeah. that. So let's we talk. You know, Thank we you. mentioned we mentioned Embiid. So let let's move on to our Philly preview and finish up with that. Um, we said you know the title of the show is there can only be one uh, for Highlander Highlander fans. You know what that means? Like uh, where it's going to be pretty much. I mean, not maybe unfairly, but the game probably MVP race is going to be decided tomorrow. Um, unless they pretty much play to an even and they both play shitty. <laughs> like, I guess that's the only, uh, maybe like, you know, Harden plays better than both. And so they kind of, they, they tabled that, you know, tabled that discussion for the MVP for the rest of the week. So what do you think? 
Well, the reason why this game is so important, to be honest, completely, is the fact that we are getting mixed signals about Jamal, and we had Harrison reporting that Jamal is no longer uh, making his warm-ups before the games. That sounds uh, uh, concerning. And these last two losses as well is emphasizing the importance of the game against Philly as well. The game is going to be on the ESPN and it will be a chance for many fans nationwide to see the Nuggets for the first time this season because I believe ESPN will pump up this game a lot oh, yeah, before yeah. it begins. Well, they should. I mean, they, they should. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So first thing is, of course, the narrative about the MVP race between Jokic and Embiid. The Sixers will probably be favored as a home team, although they will be on the back-to-back traveling from Orlando. It would be super funny if they chose to play choose to play their best players versus the Magic and rest against the and Nuggets <laughs> like, like they did with Harden against Miami a week ago. But for the sake of this being a meaningful, meaningful segment, let's pretend they will play everybody except for the injured Danny Green, uh-huh. who will most definitely not be playing. Okay, so let's take a look at 76ers stats since James Harden started playing for them on February 25th. They are now 5-2 and two when when he plays. Actually, when he plays and he doesn't play because he missed that one game against Miami. They won against Timberwolves, the Knicks twice, Cavs and the Bulls, so more or less middle of the pack strength of schedule. And they lost that game against the Heat, and again, they lost in embarrassing fashion against the Nets when yeah. Harden and Embiid combined for 8 from 34 from the field. Superstars. In this span, Embiid was putting, to be honest, 35 points, 12 rebounds, and 3 assists. Pretty fucking amazing. But on 42-21-85 shooting splits. So if he's shooting 42% and 20% for 3, how, how come he gets to those big point average well he shoots 16 free throws per game so they add up quickly 16 i mean his season average is 11 almost 12 man 16 that's a lot it's getting it's getting crazy right now harden was also putting 22.7 rebounds and 11 big 11 assists on 46 44 90 which is pretty good shooting splits and he had only eight free throw attempts per game so only only one more than Nikola Jokic in this in this span of games. Seven to sixteen. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, also, Tyrese Maxi, he is a third wheel over there in a pretty good wheel. He is averaging nineteen three and three on yeah. insane <laughs> 53, 57, 80 shooting. <laughs> Tyrese Maxi is having a season, Voya. He is yeah. having a season. They've have been the sixth offense and twelfth defense in this span of seven games and they've had only the, the 20th fastest pace so they're not running a lot i mean it's not a big difference it's like a three possession difference to the number one offense in pace but it's it's a noticeable noticeable thing they're just they're yeah. not running too fast okay so what about the nuggets let's see like last 15 games those games when Bryn forbes and boogie was playing and They've had in these last 15 games the 8th net rating, so not great, not terrible, at 5.2, mostly because a lot of games they won were resolved in the last few minutes. They've actually went, uh, let me think, 11-4 and in those 15 games. So 
it's a it's a better record than what the net rating suggests. If you remember when we started this show in January, they were a 500 team in clutch games, but now they're in the respectable 18 and 13 in those games. Actually, they've yeah. been 18 and 11 just two days ago, but what yeah. are you going to do? Yeah. Okay, so let's see the Nuggets stats for the last 15 games. Jokic 26.5, 14 and 8.5 on 56. Now 24 for 3 and 77 shooting, 7 free throws per game. After that, a big drop-off, of course. Gordon, 14, 6, and 2.5 assists. 49, 26, 95, also really bad shooting for three. Only three free throws per game. That's also a thing to, to, to look at. He's not drawing a lot of shooting fouls. Monte is at 14, 3, and 4.5. And but he's been red hot. 55, 47, 89 shooting from Monte. Barton, 12. Yeah. Five and three. Jeff and Bones have 11 points per game. Forbes has 10. Cousin has 10. J. Mike has nine. And those numbers sound really nice because they add up really quickly. But the problem here is only Forbes and J. Mike play in all of those 15 games. So this is why the the sum of the average points is actually much higher than what they actually made. And I'm not going to beat around the the bush. In current available rosters, the Sixers are a stronger group of players. But everything will yeah. change when and if we get our full lo- roster. And no, I, I mean, we're not, not let's not even go, like, let's just yeah. assume, let's have, you know, wh- everyone healthy that is on this team this year. Like, I'm yeah. not even hypothetical, because hypothetical yeah. is only the finals, and that's way ahead of the, way ahead of it. So for tomorrow, just a few questions for you, like, to start off, and, and um, you know, and then we get to the chats. I saw some funny questions. Uh, first, Gordon on on Harden. We had that question from the Serbian show. I wanted to translate over here. Uh, what do you think uh, if he's healthy? Do you, do you put him on Harden or, or Tobias Harris? Oh, hundred percent Harden. Harden because and and then if so, it's, so, so let's let's think like if we go defensively and we talked about Barton not if he maybe not plays or something. You go Rivers, Monte, um, then then you have Gordon, Jeff, and and Jokic. Then yeah, I think like Harden maybe, and then like you have Rivers on Maxi and uh, yeah, Tobias, and I guess you have Embiid. Jeff. I don't know who's there. Who's there? Jeff who's their fifth? Oh man, that's a good question. Who was their fifth recently? Maxi, Harden, Embiid, Tobias. Yeah, how was it? I mean, Danny Green used to be, but like I don't. He's, yeah, he's hurt not also. There anymore. I don't yeah, know if it's, it's Monte. Monte will have to guard somebody. Yeah, maybe. someone if it's not like to, if it, if they're not going big, like something like that. Uh, that'll be interesting to see if because Harden's not playing fast, so like this should be fine for Gordon. And then I think Jeff can match up with Tobias also fine sure. enough. Sure. Um, Maxi's a problem, I think, but we saw saw Rivers play good, you know, against him against Steph Curry. So like that'd be good again. But if Barton's there instead of Rivers, then there might be an issue. Then Monte might have oh. to take Maxi, and that's. That's one of those Monte like you know weak I think weaknesses that we've seen that is it's not really great, and then you know who who's ever the fifth Barton I don't know you know that's that that might be an issue that matchup like might be an issue is um, again like with uh, Philly's gonna be wired up like they have to they have to recover from the from the Brooklyn loss because that that was awful like even I don't know even if they win and Embiid's not that dominant and Jokic is pulling. Pulling everyone to the clutch and it's hard and it's finishing the game instead of Embiid like in the clutch, which is again very far fetched, but still 
like you still might see Jokic coming out of the coming out as like even the moral victory in that situation. Um, but that's like just my like the the, the most optimistic out- outcome. I think just Nuggets have to win. It doesn't matter like if Embiid has a better game per per like his um, you know his stats. I just think they have to win. You know, Jokic has to win. Uh, another question is: Do you think Jokic can be a foul trouble, and how quickly? If he is, that's the biggest question of them all, really, because uh, I mean, you you can ask this question in the in the vice versa manner as well. Will Embiid be in foul trouble as well? Because Jokic is really good at 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 uh, extracting those uh, non-shooting fouls. Yeah, I guess so, that's true. Like if he baits him for those, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I I think Nikola needs to be really, 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 really focused for this game, and I'm not sure he will be looking at this game as the biggest game of the season like we do at this point because you know his mvp would probably be the best thing that will happen this season to this nugget uh, team but uh, i don't know man it's 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 really hard to see I, I, one thing i i think nikola is smarter than most guys while defending guys that are baiting for for fouls so it's just that he needs to keep his cool and yeah, yeah, yeah. not not get uh, drawn into a, uh, some kind of vendetta kind of fouls uh, because uh, the referee didn't didn't uh, call for a foul against him you know when when he's on the offense so it, it's a big question it's the biggest question to be honest because... yeah I'm honest which is kind of, which kind of sucks I mean imagine just like how what you know, if they if they actually called it you know the proper way like we can have a great matchup and we're here talking about Who's gonna be in foul trouble? <laughs> like, is Jokic gonna be? Because we've because it's sixteen free throws. Those fouls have to come from somewhere. It's and, been, you know, it's you can't put boogie in the starting lineup to like. It's been get those 20, fouls. 27 months without a game between the two greatest bigs in the league. Twenty-seven months since they met yeah. the last time. It was it was back in two thousand tens. You know, it wasn't even two thousand twenty. That's true. 19, December yeah, yeah. 20, 2019. <laughs> So let's let's hope the referees will not take the center stage this yeah. time and, although, and let's go for funny, a great game. Although it was I want both of them scoring like forty. I don't. No hell no. Let's, I don't. I don't like him, man. Like I don't like his game. I don't that that style of like just bully. You know, not bully ball. Just like bull bull in a china shop kind of thing. Like I I like finesse, man. I don't. I, it was not like I watched Philly. Like I know they're interesting, hard and everything. I just hate. I I couldn't watch like. That Nets game, I couldn't believe I was like, secretly rooting for the Nets in that game. Like I hate them too. Like they're terrible. Uh, yeah, possibly. And more, I'm, yeah. I'm watching and I'm like laughing that they're that they're not giving him fouls and he's like falling all over himself for free throws. I'm like, that's what's that's what the problem is. Because the worst thing is he's not that he's not capable of playing really well. It's just that he's used to getting fouls. So like Harden, like oh you're that's the easiest way I can score. Like why wouldn't I take advantage of it? And that that's what I, that's what's annoying. And again, like we talk about the preview, and there's so many things we could have been talked about. And the worst thing we could say is like, you know, and the, the first thing we have to say is, well, if Jokic gets in foul trouble, it's pretty much over. Then it's a 30 point game, and you don't even care. Like again, watching through box scores, not through the actual game. Like you don't care what the flow of the game was or like what decided it. It's gonna be like the Lakers in the bubble against Nuggets. Like Jokic gets out of you know gets out with two fouls early. And the game's pretty much done. Like you can't, and it's a you know a gentleman sweep, and that's that. So I, I hope I hope we can avoid that. I hope the NBA will keep in mind. Like there have been more outcries for 
because of Embiid's free throws and it's getting out of hand, especially with like some of the stuff from Brooklyn, like when he just falls backwards, like even he's facing away from the hoop, he falls down and he gets a foul, a uh, shooting foul, that kind of stuff. So hopefully they'll keep in mind because it's such an important game. But again, like I wouldn't put it past like Jokic fouling out first time in like well, how many years. Yeah, we, we had an interesting comment here from Nena asking to put Faku on Harden and also Embiid. No, and, that's uh, not... <laughs> think about okay, of course not on Embiid, but on Harden that's an interesting thing. Harden is a huge guy. He's like six five and him. he's like two sixty. Yeah, yeah. But the, the he just turns around. Him... He just turns his hip around and just goes like, and he's he's he knows how to play pick and roll. He'll he'll get shoulder to shoulder with Embiid. Faku is going to be helpless. Like then you have a switch and yeah. I don't. I'd rather not. Yeah, only maybe, he can guard maybe, Max or something, but like not even he. I think he'll kill him, but I don't think it's a good matchup for Faku. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think that's what it was. So, what do you what do you think overall? We talked a lot. What we what some of the talking points. What do you think will happen? Uh, it will be Nuggets win, and it will be a Munder. That's my <laughs> prediction. We Damn. really need this. Yeah, we it will be it. a Munder. I think Harden <laughs> will shoot like two of nineteen from the field. <laughs> And Embiid will have 35 points with 25 free throws, and he will be like like four out of 20 from the field, and the Nuggets will steal the win. Yeah, the I, 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 you, you, I hope. I mean, I, I'm kind of more on leaning on the Nuggets based on what our what our like situation was so far. Like every time, um, every time they lose a couple of games, they kind of bounce back. Like there might be a third in their third roster or something, but. If there's this bad, like against Toronto, they might come out. And we we heard Gordon being wired up against the Warriors. I think was was he was wired, or or Austin Rivers was, and Gordon was next to him. And he said, "Oh, Philly lost. Like we like that." And and it was they know. Like even though Jokic might not care, like I think these teammates care, which is also very cool to see. Like that they're the ones keeping track of the MVP race for That's his right. guy. Of course uh, they are. So so I think they might be if they're if they're in, you know come out kind of how they came out their one game against Utah this year. Or last year in the in the, the you know in the national uh, national uh, television slot and uh, you know how they came against Phoenix in the beginning of the year and you know that those kind of important games they might you know we're due for a good shooting game I think so uh, um, let's go let's go Nuggets that they're also second lineups doesn't give me any confidence I think our second lineup might might actually get a lead in that in there so let's go Nuggets yeah, yeah let's go Nuggets you don't want to get tip.